You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. I look for a series of events or maybe um, you know, some different things that stick out to me. And then I want to ask some questions. And then I want to understand what principle or truth the Lord is trying to teach me. And then most importantly, I want to apply that to my own life. Because the Lord's not showing me truth just for me to go, wow, that's really good. He's, he's given it to me so I grow. And that's the whole point. So if you don't know the story of Joseph, that's whose life we're looking at. Um, I want to look at Joseph's whole life. So there's going to be some parts that I skip around on. But Joseph's life, if you don't know about him, he was born as the son of Jacob and or Israel. And um, he grew up in his father's house and God gave him some visions and uh, some dreams, if you will. And uh, his brothers, he told them to them and they were not very receptive. As a matter of fact, they, they in turn hated him. And so then they ended up selling him into slavery. And then he found himself in Potiphar's house, which was who bought him. And uh, he found himself being a servant. And there he was re- re- uh, grew and God blessed his efforts and different things. But then Potiphar's wife lied about him. And so Joseph ends up in prison, where then again, God is still with him and still blessing him. And then he is in, po- or in prison, has some success, but he meets some very important people while he's in prison. And he does them a favor. One of them is a chief butler, and one of them is a chief baker. Well, then he does a favor for them by interpreting some dreams. And while the chief baker's end is not good, the butler's is, but the butler forgets him. And that's where we pick him up here. He is then remembers the butler does later on when Pharaoh has some dreams and he can't interpret them. And suddenly the butler's mind is suddenly reminded, hey, 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 I don't want to go back to prison. I remember that Hebrew guy who helped me out. And so what he does is Pharaoh has some dreams and Joseph comes and he interprets them. But the interesting thing is that Joseph doesn't say that he's the one that will do it. Pharaoh tells him, listen, I I understand that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph says, no, no, it's God who will tell you the interpretation. And the interesting thing is he finds that we find out in the story that there are seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. These are the dreams that Pharaoh has repeatedly. And then Joseph offers some advice to Pharaoh. He says, listen, by the way, what you should do is you should appoint a person over this plenty, these years of plenty. You should take one-fifth and set it aside. As a matter of fact, you should probably give this person some help and some different people and should store it in different places. But Joseph never offers himself up. He never says, hey, get me out of prison. He never makes a request, none of those things. And that's really where we pick it up tonight. And uh, that's where I want to start at in verse 37. And in verse 37 of chapter 41, the Bible says, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, uh, said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestitures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. Verse 43, And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. 
Now, the interesting thing to me is, we'll go back to the original question and the title of the message, the point of success. I see in Joseph's life, when I'm studying the word, I want to study somebody's life. This is what happens, and God is giving me principles or trying to teach me something. I see all these struggles that Joseph has went through, but really here he is at what many would say, hey, this is success. Look, you, you, you're second in command to Pharaoh. You're, you're no longer in the prison. You're no longer stuck in somebody's house as a slave. As a matter of fact, the position you're in, you're never going back there. There's a lot of struggle and a lot of heartache there, a lot of hardship is this really the point of success? I mean, if you think about it, Joseph's got some pretty nice clothes now. Everybody knows who he is. He's going to be employed for at least the next 14 years. I'm just saying, <laughs> he's got some time, and God is really blessing him. But when I'm reading this, I want to understand what sticks out to me. Now, the interesting thing that really sticks out to me is that he's really second in command to Pharaoh, and God placed him there. And then also, he has a lot of responsibility. So when those things stick out to me, I want to kind of go back and say, well, maybe, is, is, can I see this in different places? What about when he was in prison? So let's go back to chapter 39, and we just want to go to verse 20. And 39, we want to ask ourselves, do I see this same thing where Joseph was previously? And in chapter 39, verse 20, this is when Joseph ends up in prison. And it says, Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the, or the, keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made to prosper. So I find again, Joseph really is second in command. And again, Joseph has a lot of responsibility. He's doing all these prisoners, managing all these prisoners. He's second in command. The keeper of the prisons really turned everything over to him. Okay, well, what about in Potiphar's house, where he was when he was a slave? And just in chapter 39 and verse 1, maybe, maybe we can find the same thing there. So if we go back there in chapter 39 and verse 1, we find out what does the Bible say. Verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And verse 6, And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Again, I find Joseph to really be second in command to Potiphar. He's given him all these different things. Not only is he over the house, he's over everything in the field too. So again, I find a lot of responsibility given to Joseph. Well, there's one more place that Joseph was in his father's house. We go back to verse, or chapter 37. We're going to look and see if maybe that same pattern consists. Maybe if that same series of things consists. We look in chapter 37 in verse 1. And Jacob dwelled in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, 
was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the, son, uh, was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. So I see Joseph is reporting on his brothers, but I don't know if necessarily quite I found what I'm looking for. And I don't know about responsibility yet, so maybe we need to look just a little bit further. So if we go into cha or, uh, chapter 37, and we go down to verse 12, just for the sake of time. And the Bible says, And his brethren went to feed the, uh, their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. Verse 14, And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Again, I find Joseph now is really serving his father. And not only is he reporting on the well-being of the flock, which you would expect a son to do, but he's reporting on his brethren. If you understand Hebrew culture, at the time, really this would have been the eldest son's job. But that's not what's happening here, and Joseph is not the eldest son. So I've seen a series of continuous things in these different places that I find Joseph. Each time he's second in command, each time he has responsibility. When I identify those things, I want to do some other things as well. I want to not only look at what's similar or the same, but I want to look at what's different in each place. In his father's house, it clearly tells me that he was born into being the favored son. That does not something that Joseph had anything to do with. He didn't choose that. He was really just born into that. In Potiphar's house, he's a slave, and continuously through the word, it tells me over and over and over again that everything is in his hand, and his hand is given into his hand. It's blessed in his hand. It's really about his skill set, what he is doing. In the prison, he has everything given in his hand as well. But the difference in that story we don't have time to look at is he meets those two people, and they're very powerful people. And I started dwelling on this, and I started praying about it and thinking about it. You know, it's interesting to me in life, if you ask people, what does it take to be successful? You'll get a lot of different answers. But I found a lot of times what will happen is people will tell you, listen, listen, you need to be born into success. I mean, sure, you can have some success, and that's okay. But what really needs to happen is if you're born into success, you'll have a certain kind of success that maybe otherwise you wouldn't be able to attain. But that's not what my Bible tells me. See, my Bible tells me that Joseph had, was born into a situation, a status, if you will, but he lost it. It was taken from him. So then you'll meet some other people along the way, and they'll say, listen, listen, it's not really about what you're born into. It's about your skill set. Maybe you could get a special trade, or you can go get a college education, or maybe it's just, in my case, in IT, your certifications. But that's not what my Bible tells me either. My Bible tells me you can still lose that too. Well, then some people will kind of listen, it's not really about your status, it's not really about your skill set, it's who you know. And those people can really help you. You just got to find some powerful people, some influential people, or maybe in this day and age, social influencers. But then again, my Bible tells me that's not true. See, you can lose that too, because if you read that story, that butler, he forgets Joseph. And my Bible literally tells me he forgot him. And so the interesting thing is, is I see all these different things that go on, and I say, hmm... And then I dwell on it and I think, you know what? The reality is, none of those things in particular got Joseph in the house or in the, the house of Pharaoh. None of those things put him together. As a matter of fact, no combination of them or all together put him there. It was only God that placed him in that position. 
So, hmm, that's very interesting to me. And I started thinking about that, and that's my first point. See, the interesting thing is, if I want to have success or some kind of success, I've first got to be willing to be second in command in my own life. That's really what the Lord is teaching me here. And my second point is this, sometimes I've got to have that responsibility. Well, what do I mean by responsibility? I mean responsibility of what the Lord would ask me to do. That's reading my Bible. That's praying. That's asking, you know, having a little bit of faith and following the Lord where He might lead me. These things that are going to grow me as a Christian. But I started reading this message, and as I was putting this together uh, over many months, I realized there was something else going on here too. See, in Scripture, sometimes you'll read a story, and we see somebody's life from the beginning to the end. In the case of Joseph, we see him as a 17-year-old man. We follow it all the way until he dies, it tells us. Moses, the same way. He's a baby. We have some gaps. But in the end, we see where Moses dies, and a lot of people you do. The interesting thing is that's not always the case. Take, for instance, Paul in the New Testament. We don't pick him up when he's a baby. He's well into being a man before he's converted to a Christian. And then we see him, and we don't even really see the death, but we know what happens. Almost every one of the apostles, we don't really see it except for a few. We don't know what happened. Historically, we know what happened, but not what the Bible tells me. So I began to ask why. Again, I like to ask questions. And really what I began to understand is, sometimes people will tell you this is not really the true word of God. They'll make the statement, well, it's just stories. It's, it's really allegories. It's trying to teach you some moral things. But I understand this. This is the true word of God. And God doesn't need to tell a story. He can literally take the snippet of billions of people's lives, put it into his word to make a point. He exists outside of time. He doesn't need to make up a story. But the interesting thing is, see, Joseph's story's not over yet. So I began to ask, Lord, what, what did I miss? So let's go back to chapter 41. And I began to wonder, was it something that I missed, Lord? Did I miss something else? It didn't take me long to find it. We are in chapter 41 and verse 37. And I'm going to move down to, um, let's say 48. Verse 48 of chapter 41. And the Bible tells me, And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field which was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sea of the sand very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And Joseph was, uh, unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asnath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God saith he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now here's the interesting thing. At this point in the story, Joseph is at the mountaintop, right? You've got, you've, you've interpreted the dreams, you've been risen to second in command, the fields of plenty are coming in. I'm sure everybody's like, yes, this is great, they love you, you're kind of the hero of the story, Really, he should be at the pinnacle. Not only that, he got married. God gave him two sons. My problem is, Joseph, what you named them. See, when you name your son, right, Manasseh, for God saith he had made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the other one tells me, oh, well, you, you've made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The problem is, Joseph, every single time you call those kids, you're going to remember that toil. You're going to remember that father's house, and what you're really talking about is the heartache. And you're going to remember that affliction every time, over and over and over. 
Sometimes you'll meet people maybe in their Christian life or in regular life, and they've had a hardship, maybe several, somewhere along the line, and they'll tell you they had victory over it, but sometimes they talk a lot more about the hardship than they ever talk about the victory, and they just can't really get over it. And you say, well, some things are very hard, Brian. I understand that, but you understand something else. See, as a Christian and your Christian walk, and even in my own personal life, I understand this. Somewhere along the line, as you become a Christian and you grow, there should be something that happens in your heart. You should have some peace, contentment, and joy in your life. No matter the situation, think of Paul when he's in prison still singing like, that's crazy to me. I don't think I got that yet. <laughs> you know? So don't, please don't test me, Lord. Um, I don't want to fail. But the problem is, here's Joseph at the pinnacle, the mountaintop. This should be the greatest point of success, and you're still talking about these things. So then I began to wonder, does Joseph ever have victory over this? Is this really, does he ever get over this? Turn over to chapter 45, if you would. And in this story so far, I'll summarize what's happened in between. Joseph meets his brothers again, but he doesn't really reveal himself to them. Eventually he does, or and he doesn't at this point reveal himself to them. But um, there's some things happen, and his brothers come back into his life, and eventually he goes through some different trials that he gives them. And then finally here, he finally does reveal himself. And I want you to pay attention what's the first thing he asks. Chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine begin in the land, been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord over his, of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. See, Joseph's now beginning to understand why he has gone through these things. But I don't think he's quite grasping what the reasons is yet. He's beginning to understand that there is more than just simply they just happened to me. And why did I have to go through this toil? And why did I go through this heartache? He's learning. He's growing. But we're not quite there. Go with me to chapter 50, the very last chapter. What happens is he eventually goes back in, the, in between and he sees his father and his father gets to see his sons, which was great. And he gets to spend time with his father, but eventually his father dies and he has to bury him. But now, at this point, we're going to pick up his brothers are worried because, see, now dad's gone and they're afraid. Now, now Joseph's going to get revenge. Surely he will. And so what they do is they send a messenger to him. This is their solution. We'll pick it up in verse 16 of chapter 50. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said to them, Fear not. 
for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelled in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. And the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up on Joseph's knees. This is the end of Joseph's story. There's a difference here, though. See, I listen to this and I see what Joseph is doing. He's finally figured it out. He's finally getting to understand why God has allowed this. But when I read the end of this story, I notice something here. See, there's two different things. There's the difference here. Joseph is again at the pinnacle of success. He's now got to see his father. His brethren are really reunited with him. But I find two differences. Guess what I don't hear anymore? I don't hear anything about toil. I don't hear anything about heartache. And I don't hear anything about affliction. Of all of the things that God chose at that time to put in his word, because there are no idle words in this book, none. God chose to put every single one of them. And I listened that Joseph lived to be 110 years old. So if I read my Bible, I understand when he came to Potiphar's house, he was 30. For the sake of argument, let's say he's 40 here. That means he lived 70 years with his father's house. You notice how it said that. It didn't say his brothers, it didn't say his family. It said his father's house, the very people he supposedly forgot. I don't hear toil anymore. I don't hear heartache anymore. I don't hear affliction anymore. But you know what I do find instead? I find peace, contentment, and joy in that man's life. Because I cannot understand how you could be a grandpa raising your children up on your knee and being mad. They're not going to want to be around you. But that's where I find Joseph's picture of Joseph's life at the end. And there is a fruit here, the peace, contentment, and joy. So I want to understand, okay, Lord, because I want that too. See, when I was lost and sitting in the pew, when God brought me back to church, I used to hear them preaching all the time. And I thought, this is great. And it made sense. But over and over and over again, it seemed to me that I would always hear the scripture, follow me and I'll give you the desire of your heart. What nobody knew or I didn't share is in my heart I was really hurting. And I used to tell people it, it just felt like a sword had pierced my heart. And I would look around at these Christians, as I called them, and I didn't understand. And their lives were so great and they don't go through things that I go through. They don't understand my life. I didn't understand that. I was wrong what I didn't have was peace, contentment, and joy. But over time, God gave it to me. So there is a product here, and I want to understand how can I have that peace, contentment, and joy. The Bible tells me there is one way. How did Joseph get it? He finally understood the purpose that God had for his life. I understand why I went through the toil. Why? To preserve much people, to save much people alive, right? That's why he understood God brought me here. He also understood his brothers are kind of responsible for their own actions. Fair enough, but he got the purpose. So the Bible is telling me if I want that peace, contentment, and joy, that I can get it no other way as best I can get it, but by following the purpose that God has for my life. So again, point of success What's the real point of success? It's not the gold chain. It's not the linen robe. It's not the second chariot. It's not the responsibility. It's not all the other things that Joseph had, the great status. If I really want to understand success, it's following God's purpose for my life. Sometimes, though, we don't know what that is. And you say to me, well, that's great, Brian, but how do I find that out? I mean, I don't understand. That's kind of hard. 
And I'll tell you, well, the Bible already told us that too. See, there's kind of requirements. First, I've got to be willing to be second in command in my own life. And secondly, I've got to be willing to do those responsibilities. I've got to be willing to read my word. I've got to be willing to study it. I've got to be willing to pray. And sometimes I've got to be willing to take little leaps of faith along the way that God is guiding me so I can get to that purpose. And when I do and I follow that, there's something produced in my own life. And it doesn't matter what else is going on. So I wonder today if maybe you say, well, Brian, I, I don't know what that is. I wonder today if you ever bothered to ask. Have you ever bothered to pray and say, Lord, you know what? I, I don't understand what that purpose is. I don't understand. And maybe we just need to take a moment, if that's all right, Pastor. Maybe we just take a moment. We go ahead and stand to our feet and bow our heads and close our eyes. And we'll just take a moment to have a moment of invitation. And if you maybe don't understand that purpose in your own life, or maybe you were like me and you were lost in your heart and you don't understand. And you say, man, I understand it with my head, Lord, but I don't understand it with my heart. If you'd like to come up here the altar and maybe just take a moment and pray and ask the Lord. You can do it in your seat as well if you're more comfortable there. Lord, help me understand what my purpose for my life is. Tell me what you would have me to do, Lord. Lead me to where you would have me to go. Help me to be second in command in my own life. Help me to follow through with those responsibilities. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's BBC, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.